Hey guys, thanks so much for joining us for another episode of Chasing Heroin on this day. Today you got another solo cast with just me, and today's episode is actually about the name of the show and the logo. I've definitely got some some comments over the years about the name of the show and kind of like what it means and am I actually talking about like chasing drugs and so I just want to like give some clarity to the meeting behind the name because it's not just a play on words, it's actually much larger than that and it's really born and derived from the two major mindset shifts I had that moved me from a space of seeing my addiction and my year spent using from a liability to actually a a real asset. And so I hope you guys enjoy this show. And as always, reach out, let me know anything you want me to talk about. And I would love to get a review from you too. Thank you so much. Today's episode is about the name of the show, Chasing Heroin, and the logo, and how did I get there? Because I'm really proud of it, and I think the backstory on it is really cool. And there's more to the backstory than just a play on words for purposes of of the show. It's a massive part of the long-term success that I've had in recovery. It was a huge mindset shift for me, because for me to have become someone who the name of the show... I mean, it's a play on words, obviously it doesn't mean heroin, but you know that it's a reference to actual heroin. For me to have a podcast where I speak openly about my drug use and a YouTube channel where I speak openly about my drug use is a huge shift for me. That is not how I felt. I was, I was terrified of, well, first of all, I really didn't want to be a person in recovery. I don't think anybody does. I really didn't want to be a person in recovery. I could not even wrap my brain around how do you not drink? What am I going to do? I'm going to go on a date without drinking. That's not, how is that? No, that's not how the world works. And I spent a lot of time in that space and mindset. And then things got so bad that I was like, fine, 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 fine. I'll quit drinking. I get it. But I don't want anyone to know that I'm in recovery. I was, I was, I mean, beyond ashamed. The last rehab that I was at, there was a meeting on the beach and I, in Oceanside, and I lived and worked in this area as a successful fitness instructor before I started using or while I was using, but not heroin. And they would sing at the meeting. Like if somebody was taking a cake, we would sing happy birthday. And I would literally like dive behind the other girls in case somebody walking on the pier or walking on the boardwalk, like recognized me from when I was teaching. And the girls would like tag you at a meeting. And I was like, do not, do not tag me at a meeting. And and I wasn't concerned with the AA principle of anonymity. I was way more concerned with ego and being identified out of embarrassment, not because I was like respecting that tradition. Um, And so for me to have gotten to a place where I'm comfortable sharing this stuff, and although to be clear, it's not always comfortable for me, you know, sometimes I get a little nervous. And right now I own my own business. So at the moment, it's okay. But there's obviously a part of me that's like, okay, well, if I don't own that studio at some point, I'm like going to get a job and you see all this stuff, is this going to affect me? You know, like all that stuff still goes through my mind. But I feel so much more passionate about, I I truly feel like having had made it through a heroin addiction and then not sharing my story would be like running out of a house that's on fire. I'm on the porch. I'm free. There are buckets of water around me. People are dying inside and I don't throw water on the house. I just leave and let the people figure it out on their own. 
that's that's how like at stake it is to me because you guys I could not stop using I could not stop I could not stop using and you know it brought me to destruction and I could not stop using and so I I take it very seriously that I want to share my story and my message but it's hard but it is hard sometimes so how did I get there so let's start with the definitions of chasing and the definitions of heroin because I'm quote nerd and I'm a word nerd and the definition of chasing is to pursue in order to catch and the definition of heroin is a mythological or legendary woman often of divine descent having great strength or ability so those are the definitions of those two words and the play on words is important to me because my drug addiction shifted from something we could almost call manageable from cocaine and drinking into something that was entirely unmanageable. And it was only in the unmanageability that I actually found myself. And it was a part of myself that I wasn't going to find as a non-addict or even in the more manageable years. And I believe that and I, I know that to be true. And around 90 days and I want to explain to you guys how I got there and why I believe that to be true because in the beginning I was I was super pissed off at the person that I was using with and like totally blamed him for like getting me strung on out on heroin which I don't feel that way anymore you can't get someone strung out on heroin I had to volunteer to do that myself but it took me a while to get there so around 90 days in my sobriety I was living in a sober living in a not not it was not a nice sober living and it was not a nice area and I had absolutely nothing. You got, I mean, nothing, nothing. I couldn't get a checking account because my name was in that check systems things for bad checks. I wasn't even in a bedroom in that sober living yet. I could only afford to sleep on the couch in the living room. So I had like a little sheet down and everything I owned was in a cardboard box behind the couch. And I'd gotten a job teaching and my mom had bought me an outfit to teach in. I had, I had one nice outfit to teach in, like God bless her, because I teach in affluent areas, even though I was living at the sober living and like taking the bus. And I didn't have an, I didn't even have an ID at that time. Um, certainly no driver's license and no money, you know, no money. I had gotten a job teaching, but I, I, and I had a birthday at around 90 days and I was so upset that day. I couldn't stand it. I was sitting on the couch in the sober living thinking my god i am turning this age and i have nothing i am basically a homeless indigent person with no resources i'm on food stamps i have my welfare phone that they gave me to get a job and uh, this is me like this is how my life turned out and all my friends are you know homeowners and went to law school and have kids and like did all this cool stuff and i see them traveling and taking vacations and i'm just a heroin addict i'm a strung out heroin addict and you guys, I can feel it in my body right now, the desperation I felt in that moment because I also didn't have a whole lot of hope that my that my situation was going to change because I hadn't been able to change it yet, you know, and I'd been trying. I'd gotten 90 days here and there before in programs and then I relapsed and I lost everything. So not only did I feel that way, it felt like I was going to be in that space forever. And I know when you're watching someone like me tell this story, sometimes it's hard. You know, you see me and, you know, look, I've got a microphone and a Mac computer, although it still kind of blows my mind that I have any of this stuff. Like, But I know it's hard to watch and think that I was ever where you are. But you guys, I lived in that space for so much longer than I've lived in a space where I had access to anything. And, I, and it's like it's right there for me. And I remember sitting there on the couch panicking at my life and thinking, 
I don't want to keep using because that's bringing me nothing but misery and pain. But like, this actually isn't that great. This sucks. You know, I'm taking the bus three hours to work, three hours back, and I'm embarrassed and I'm ashamed and I'm not where I thought I was going to be. So that's how I felt that day. Now, and my recovery in my life has included a series of little miracles. And I believe that all of our lives do. But this was one. Where I taught, there was a girl, a member, who was, she worked at the Chopra Center, which actually happens to be in San Diego, which is where I live. And Deepak Chopra and Oprah Winfrey do these 21-day meditations that are free. I actually don't think that they do them anymore, but they were doing one at the time about gratitude. And she had mentioned it to me, and I was I was willing to do it. It was like the third or fourth day in. And I was freaking out on the couch, and I decided to go try to listen to one of those meditations. So I went outside and I was listening to it. And the quote from that day, and I told you guys I'm a quote nerd. The quote from that day was from a woman named Melody Beattie. And the quote was, gratitude unlocks the fullness of life. It makes what we have enough and more. And I want to say that again because I want you to hear me. Gratitude unlocks the fullness of life. It makes what we have enough and more. And when we were done with the meditation, when it was over, I opened my eyes and the sober living where it was, it was on this like, you know, kind of busted ass little area by train tracks. And, but out from my deck, there was actually like a really nice view and I saw it and I saw it. Like I saw it for the first time and I thought, man, that's actually really beautiful right here on my cyber living deck. That's really pretty. And then I realized that's always been there. I just couldn't see it for my misery, but like that's always been there. And I was blessed in that moment with suddenly feeling very grateful to not be dope sick. Because if you're an ex-heroin addict, you know the misery of that, trying to get well and being dope sick. It's just a constant, never-ending cycle of hell. I was super grateful in that moment. I literally, I remember looking down at my arms and I'm like, oh my God, like I'm not dope sick. You know, I'm not sick. I'm not trying to find a vein. Because that whole process is just like such a nightmare. And I got very present in that moment. And I was blessed with a little bit of like grace in my mind for myself and that, and that kept me going through that moment. And that was a really pivotal, that was a pivotal revelation for me to have in that moment. And then two years into my sobriety, another massive revelation opened up. And I was listening to an audiobook by written by um, a sociologist from Harvard. It's called The Happiness Advantage. Sean Acor is his name. And I'm going to do a whole episode about this where we really get into uh, this this concept and break it down. But just to touch on it briefly here he was talking about something I had never heard of. So when men and women go off to fight a war, they go overseas, they're told, okay, listen, you're going to come back one of two ways. You are going to come back either status quo, the way that you are now, or you're going to come back damaged. And we're shooting for status quo, right? And so we're going to give you these tools so that you don't get damaged. But there is a third way back from trauma that is much less discussed, which is post-traumatic stress growth. And you can actually come back from a trauma, not just where you were, you can come back better than where you were. And he went over, and I'm going to briefly outline for you guys, because that sounds really nice, but like, what does that mean? So here's what that means specifically. Typically after a trauma, 
you develop some sort of spiritual awareness. And there's a lot of evidence to suggest that people that walk a spiritual path have a higher quality of life. And I do not necessarily mean the idea of like God, Jesus Christ, Christianity, Catholicism, some sort of traditional religion. I don't mean that. And if you're, if you've gotten this far, if you listen to me for this long, if you wound up on my channel, you probably already know what I mean. Like, man, you didn't get here by mistake. Things led you to this moment where you were taking these words in. I believe that. Things led me to that moment where I was taking those words in. Things led me to that moment on the deck where I, that meditation hit me at the right time. That's what I mean by spirituality. This idea that there's a benevolent force in the universe that is pushing for your good. And this idea that you have a place in this world. I'm going to get like emotional right now because I know addicts don't feel like they have a place in this world. But where you get to the place where you see like, I have a place in this world and I have a, a role and it feels and it feels divinely ordered for me to be here. And coming out of trauma, often one feels that way. Another thing that happens is a deeper appreciation for your relationships. I have these three friends, these three best friends from high school. And I lost our relationships, obviously, when I was a homeless heroin addict, you know. I mean, we kind of kept in touch. I was trying to pretend like everything was normal. But, you know, they knew that it wasn't. And I most of the time didn't even have a phone. I would go for years without talking to them, except for one of them I called from bail a few times. They were in my wedding two years ago. I got sober, we reconnected, and I have a completely different appreciation and value for those friendships than I had before, and then certainly for my family. So... A stronger bond with people that are in your life and then there's also a feeling of physical strength and empowerment after you come through something like that and if you're a drug addict and you kick the dope and you're healthy you know what I mean you feel stronger you feel empowered in your body and I realized when I was listening to that tape I was like man I do feel that way and that's what I felt that day on that deck I realized that that view was always there, but I just couldn't see it because I was such a miserable person. And really, if I'm getting very honest with myself, because I used to lament what I'd lost from high school because I did really well academically. And that was like my big thing. Like, oh, I fucked my whole life up. I was so smart. If I'm really honest, if I go back and I think about the girl that I was in high school, I wasn't like a grateful person. I wasn't going to end up on a spiritual path. I was okay. But like, I wasn't near the person that I am now. I wasn't willing to put any gritty work in. And I've also found that to be a hallmark of addicts. And man, I heard this cool quote the other day. This is a total diversion. I wasn't going to bring this up. Dabo Sweeney, who's the coach of Clemson. I think I said his name right. And for the record, I'm a Georgia fan. I'm not a Clemson fan. But this guy is pretty cool. I was listening to a podcast with him and he said, um, championships are made when the stadium is empty. And I don't know if it's because I'm a college football girl at heart, but I was like, whoa, that's amazing. What does that mean? That's what this means. That means that championships are made during practice when no one is there. That's when championships are made. And a hallmark of addicts and a hallmark for me was I wanted the glory of a championship without the practice. And in high school, I did really well academically because it's high school. It's like not as hard. But when I got to college, it was a different ball game. And everybody there was as smart as I was. And I had to work much harder. And you know what? I wasn't cut out for that kind of work. And so I went one semester at a really nice school in D.C. And I bagged it. I bagged the whole thing because I wasn't cut out for that kind of work. And then I moved to L.A. because I thought that becoming a famous actress would be easier <laughs> than going to college. Spoiler alert, I was wrong. Um, but that's how much I didn't want to do the grunt work of school. But then that trait followed me to LA. I didn't want to go to acting class. I didn't want to wake up early. I didn't want to memorize scripts. I wanted to book roles. 
I wanted to be famous without putting the work in, you know? And that trait followed me into my now career path, which was teaching fitness. I was pretty good, but I wasn't as willing to, I wasn't really open to suggestion from other people. And I realized listening to that book, I've become someone that is willing to do the grind. Like the grind when no one's looking, that newcomer grind, when you're taking the bus and when you don't have your driver's license and when you don't have any money, but you have no choice but to go forward, man, that's when the real strength is made, when we're like in the trenches. And without my addiction, I wouldn't have gotten there. I would have stayed somebody that was minorly successful. And because of my addiction, I was able to see, you know, the view that day. And I'm so much more grateful for things that I am now. And it hit me like a ton of bricks. I hate using that phrase, but it hit me like a ton of bricks. And I realized, holy shit, I'm better now for having had been a drug addict, not worse. I'm better. And not even just for having had been a drug addict, but the heroin in particular. I'm going to share a story with you guys that I've shared on another one of my podcasts. Boyfriend I had in LA. I couldn't quit doing coke. We lived together. I was trashing our life and trashing our house. and um, He really wanted me to quit and I couldn't. And we were having this conversation. And it's actually interesting to me that I, that I said this in the moment. We were fighting and I was like, dude, take it easy. It's not like I'm doing heroin. Okay, I've never been arrested. Relax. It's a little coke. It's no big deal. And he stopped and he said, you know what, Janine, you're right. None of that stuff has happened to you. And you're slick enough and you're smart enough that you could probably go the rest of your life without any of that stuff happening to you. But you'll always be sick, you know, four days out of seven. You'll always be about to lose your job. You're always off with your family, right? You, you don't, you're not progressing in your life. But worst of all, you'd have to live your life knowing you're not the woman you were supposed to be. But you're right. You could do that. And that's what heroin took away from me. The ability to live a half-life. Because he was right. I could have done coke and drank for the rest of my life without being a homeless person. But I wouldn't have progressed in my life. And heroin took that option off the table. <laughs> when heroin came into my life brought me to my knees. I had to become completely abstinent from all mind and mood altering substances for the rest of my life. And I believe that. And I am so glad because I live a fuller life now than I ever would have imagined. And I don't have to dull the edges of life. Like COVID, man. If you're an addict, we just got through COVID. You know, like I've had friends say to me, you know, and I own a business that we almost lost. I, I don't get to drink a glass of wine at night. You know, I don't get to dull my edges. I, I have to look at things sharply. But like, think about how strong that makes us. Those that are addicts, like we're not weaker, we're stronger. And that's what I mean by chasing heroin. That's how I got there. Chasing all of that heroin that brought me to my knees actually got me all of those, all of those strengths. A mythological or legendary woman, often of divine descent, having great strength or ability. I now believe that I have great strength and ability. And I also believe that I've been divinely ordered to take my place in this world. And do you guys know how many like messages I get from the podcast 
and through my social media platforms of people saying like, thank you. Like I want to get more time now because I see you. If that's not a divine calling, I don't know what is. And that's why at around year two, I went, you know what? I'm actually kind of happy about this. Am I happy to be a drug addict? I'm, I'm like happy that I was a drug addict. I am. I really am. And I know I'm not supposed to be, but I am. And then at a meeting of Heroin Anonymous, I met my husband, who's amazing. Who's amazing. Best thing that ever happened to me. We met because we were drug addicts. That's why we met. In no other world do he and I meet. We are from opposite coasts. We are from opposite socioeconomic groups. We are for, we're not the same age. Like in no other world do we meet except for this world where we became crazy drug addicts and crashed into each other at a meeting. And I am so grateful that chasing heroin to keep from getting sick chased me to my inner heroin and allowed me to find my strength. And I believe if you've gotten here, you're listening to me and you're struggling with addiction or if you're in early recovery or long-term recovery, I hope that that maybe opens up some positive pathways for you too. We're the lucky ones. We're the strong ones. You know, we get to say we survived. We did that and we survived. And I walk with my head up, man. And also just on like a logistical note, because I understand, you know, people have different careers and different jobs. You might not want to live publicly as an addict, which I totally understand. I will say at my job, which is in an affluent area, people love when I talk about recovery stuff. I am such a better teacher now than when I was before because I'm so grateful to be there. So all of my all of the areas of my life that matter to me were elevated because of my drug use, not, you know, not watered down. So it's this idea that we don't just bounce back, we can actually bounce forward. And I believe that. And then the logo, the logo is actually a little graphic, but I, don't, I think it's so small you can't see, but it's cool. So the logo is this, it's a spoon <laughs> dripping black tar heroin out into the shape of a woman because I found myself like through my use. I like found myself in a spoon. I mean, I encountered destruction and darkness along the way, but it led to such a better side of me that I don't think would have come out. So that's the story behind the logo and the name. So thank you guys for watching and um, the solo cast stuff. If there are subjects in particular that you guys want to hear me talk about, let me know because I'm super open on that. So thank you guys so much. We'll see you again next week.